Hi guys, KO here. You are on Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. We are at PodMax 2. I'm excited to be in the mix. I have three incredible casts coming at you. We focus on wealth and finance and savings. You know how passionate I am about the dollar, how we earn it, how we spend it, and just being all around conscious consumers. So I have three uh, I will say young men, they're, you know, under a hundred. So even if you're at a hundred, you're young at heart. Um, and how they, you know, built their wealth, built their businesses. We have a real focus on the dollar and investing. And it's, it's three very different humans with different stories, all three different ages. Uh, and first up, we've got Kevin Dugan. He's an investment expert and he's hailing from Venice, California. He talks about his journey and he leads with a very empathetic, um, and human, uh, point to his investing in real estate. So it's a great one for anyone out there looking to get into investing. And he shares why he does, how he got there and his journey in general. So check him out. Enjoy this one. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm super excited to have you. This is Podmax. I think their second one. I did the first one a couple months ago. It was amazing. Uh, we're gonna be three really cool people. So I'm pumped to meet you, hear about your journey, and then we kind of just let the conversation go from there. Yeah, I listened to a couple of your podcasts to get it flowing, and I just love how natural it is. So um, I'm just you know sit here, hang out, bright and early in the morning, and uh, just kind of yeah. talk about the journey. Yes, I love it. Okay, where where are you at? Where are you looking? I'm an LA kid, born and raised. So. Oh, oh, okay. So I'll have all the stereotypes running through my mind right now, which is good. There are uh, a couple. Yeah, my, my parents are from Venice, um, and then I just kind of grew up here on the West Side and uh, fell in love with like the people, my family, the weather. So some stereotypical things about California for sure. I love Venice. So I'm from Colorado. You are. I was going to say I'm probably earlier than you, but you, um, you're right. You're a little earlier than I am. Um, yeah. What did your parents do in Venice? That's one of my favorite places. Dad's family's from California, so I love California. Uh, I mean, Venice used to be pretty rough back in the day. You know, it definitely had some of that edginess to it, like gangs, like that skater vibe. And since then, it's been completely gentrified. You know, it's like really expensive to live out there. Um, so it's one of those things where, you know, my dad was a typical like surfer kid. Um, my mom, you know, was also kind of grew up in the Venice area, but she's a little bit more, I guess, conservative in her manner uh, but i would say just like a like a, just a general nice kind of chill neighborhood nothing too crazy nothing too um out of the ordinary yeah standard cool well i mean yeah, i was gonna say venice is i mean it's much more of a city but denver is kind of i feel like a little bit late to the game now it's becoming super gentrified it's super expensive um we don't have quite the culture that venice does unfortunately uh but, it, but it's getting there. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more of that artistic community. You know, there's like the Abikini area. So you, you definitely have more of the kind of like the open-minded, like that California um, artistic feel to it. So yeah. that's where I'd want to kind of move like maybe long-term. But I grew up in the Santa Monica, just the west side of, of Los Angeles, home for me. I love it. Well, without further ado, let me tell us about your journey. Um, it sounds like young entrepreneur. I mean, I always let everybody tell their words from them. So give us, you know, you kind of got born and raised California kid. What'd you yeah. do after high school was first, first initiative? Yeah. So, you know, I'd say like my journey to entrepreneurship was a little bit on the late side. Um, so I went to college 
I switched my major five times. So I entered with a Spanish major, switched to engineering, then architecture, then went pre-farm, then pre-dentistry, and then lo and behold, rich dad, poor dad hit my life. Uh, oh, okay. So rich dad, poor dad is like, oh, perfect. I want to become an entrepreneur. And that set me on the journey that I'm on today. Um, it's a very fun and dynamic journey, but of course, without its, uh, not without its challenges, to say the least. So um, fast forward, you know, I jumped through a couple of sales jobs. I did oil rig consulting um, across the, the world and the country. Um, I jumped back into a tech sales job and then I bootstrapped a real estate company on the side. And that's where I am today. I own a vertically integrated real estate company uh, to pro provide passive investments to our clients. Um, so we basically acquire properties, rehab them, rent them out, sell them as a rental investment, and then manage it for our clients so that they don't have to do anything. I love all of that. Okay. Do you by chance know um, Todd Olson and Associates or Remax Olson? I don't know. Okay. I think they're Northridge. Um, okay. But big into real estate. Great. Uh, grandfather was in it and then uncle took over anyway. So I'm, it's, it's a small world, even though California is massive. It um, really is. Yeah. Especially when you start to dive deep into the investment side of things, you run into the same crowds. Um, you know, you really know your reputation is everything in this space. So yeah. you want to do right by the people that you're representing across the board. You have to take care of the people. It's essential. Uh, well, that, I mean, for your community and for life, like if you want to run for president and exhibit that message, I, I, you get my vote. Um, I think those little actions are the larger combo we need on so many levels. Um, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I'm but, really big on people. That's, that's the one thing in my life that I really truly believe is essential. You know, you have to take your people throughout every part of and every avenue of life. Yeah, completely agree that accountability and character, I think are two things that are widely overlooked uh, in this day and age, but it's circling back. Um, I think mostly due to social media, but to a few other factors as well. Uh, yep. <laughs> I have a lovely relationship with social media, although I'm definitely learning to embrace it more and realize the power um, to be able to make a bigger impact and, and how important it is to share the message, you share the story and you know, be able to, to just kind of reach on a bigger platform. I completely, it's definitely a double-edged sword, but there's some huge positives there. Uh, what, what did you, so what did you end up graduating college with? What did you so, you know, I kind of uh, funneled myself into a biology major, which oh, okay. um, has given me enough information to be uh, dangerous and a little bit of a WebMD type personality. We're like, okay, like what are the long-term effects of how is this going to, you know, affect me, my longevity. So I'm definitely more of like a, I really focus on health. That's important in my life. Um, so I, you know, turmeric and tequila. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny how many people actually do know turmeric. I mean, most people obviously know tequila, but I'm pretty, I mean, it's become buzzworthy and it's big in like the consumer package market world. Now it's buzzword, but I'm still impressed that people know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great for like anti-inflammatory, you know, there's a lot of, um, I mean, it's just a great natural substance. It's just so hard because there's so many different substances out there to kind of add to your diet. It's like, geez, which one do I focus on? That'll give me like the best effects for my, my body. Yeah. So, um, That's yeah. a podcast right there. <laughs> exactly. Your self-experimentation and trying to figure out like what, what's optimal for yourself. A little bit of Tim Ferriss type situation. Yeah. Oh man, we can get into the minutia on so many things. And then the marketing around it's a whole thing. Um, but fun fact, we're coming back to real estate because this is pretty cool. Uh, when I got out of college, I was kind of like you, I was a business major, switched to comm. I, all I really cared about was playing lacrosse and having 
you know, not class not interfere with my schedule. And I got out of school. I actually started a lacrosse company, so it somewhat worked out. Uh, but I did get my real estate license right away because the long-term goal was to funnel the lacrosse cash into uh, buying properties and renting them out. And it, as soon as I got in, it was a bigger piece. It was more than I really required more time than I really had. So I never got into it, but I, I'm such a, I'm so fascinated by real estate because I think it's such a great way to build long-term wealth um, yeah. and generational wealth. Uh, tell okay. us more about that journey, why you got into it and how is it now? Yeah. So you, know, you kind of touched on a couple points right there that, you know, is really the emphasis around why real estate can be so powerful. Um, financial education is really difficult, to be honest. You know, there's so many elements to it to do it correctly. And a lot of times people are, you know, they don't have the time to really focus to educate themselves to appropriately, um, you know, know their finances very well. And that's something that you know should be taught at a much younger age versus, you know, people kind of learning on their own or making mistakes. But real estate is just one of those avenues where I found that if you put in the work and you put in the focus, you can create a lot of passive income. And then on top of that passive income or, you know, I guess, continuous cash flow, um, you get a lot of tax benefits. You know, a lot of the wealthiest people in the world, there's a lot of tax strategy around acquiring real estate that you, you don't realize in the back end. And the more you grow, the more sophisticated those tax strategies become. Um, but then also, like, typically land is a limiting supply. And if you buy in the right area, you're going to get that appreciation factor. So you get a couple different um, avenues working for you to help build wealth. And it's been one of those things where, you know, reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, I was really big on acquiring passive income. The way I do it is active income. So I'm out there, you know, creating the value in the property, managing the properties, rehabbing them. So it's very active. But there's a lot of avenues where people can um, benefit from the work that other people who are a lot more engaged um, are doing and can provide that product so you can just kind of sit back and relax and you know, collect those monthly or quarterly checks. Yeah, well, and I think that's huge. They Do you see that you get to, um, this is going to be kind of a loaded question, but somehow control potential gentrification or is it just something that sort of happens? I know you said you're you know working with humans, you get to treat people well. Is there any point where you can help control that or is it just kind of capitalism nature of the beast? So it is a loaded question. Honestly, when you get to a certain level, like if you get to institutional type money where you're, you know, purchasing, you know, 50, $100 million type properties and buying up blocks, um, a lot of it just comes down to like where the path of progress is already going. And so, you know, using demographical numbers, like, you know, population growth, job growth, you know, which areas are, you know, bordered to other, you know, um, you know, rougher neighborhoods, like the path of progress kind of just shifts there naturally, but then people with, you know, large acquisitions can kind of um, accelerate that growth in certain neighborhoods. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know it, always, it comes down kind of, you know, it's all business at the end of the day, unfortunately and fortunately. Uh, yeah. I just, I switched turmeric and tequila a little bit up recently, or we've, we've done open mic series. Okay. Um, open up the mic basically to any person of color has something to say. And I'm fortunate to have a relatively diverse group of humans in my world and gentrification has constantly come up and it's something in Denver I see all the time. I actually live in my great, great grandmother's house. Um, awesome. yeah, we've kept it in the family strategically. So however, yeah. everything around me has changed. So sure. it's kind of the one piece that I, I see is going to be the most difficult. I want to say to really change over time. And so I'm always curious, my real estate professionals, like what their take is on, on it. 
Cause I know we all see it, but it's, it's really hard to control and navigate around. You start to get to political ties. And then when you have these big sales, it's even harder to control. Um, but at minimum, I always just want to acknowledge it. Cause I know it's something we need to address long-term for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a lot in that, in that topic. I think yeah. education, you know, having a great education um, at an early age and giving access to the proper education is really important. But then again, that's just a perspective of mine. I mean, when you have like such complex, um, when you have so many different components that kind of lead into like the effect of something, it, it's really difficult, but you have to start somewhere. Um, I believe education at an earlier age, you know, especially financially, is really important and giving people opportunities and reala- realizing we're all just humans, as you mentioned. You know, we're just, you know, color of skin doesn't matter. It's just you're a person in this body and um, you should be given the same opportunities as anybody else. So. Absolutely. Do you guys, um, did you, and I didn't mean to throw such a heavy question at you because we're going to stare back to you, but I'm always just curious on, you know, where, where things fall. And because, you know, as a leader, as um, a business entrepreneur, and as now a key voice in the community, you really do maintain a lot of power to, um, infiltrate change, even if it's through small initiatives or com- even conversation around finances of, you know, white kids or kids of color to start talking about, I would say even, you know, maybe middle school, end of elementary school to talk about saving money and what credit is and even writing a check, which should likely be extinct relatively soon. Um, just yeah. There. Without a doubt. And it's, you know, I put a solid 15 years into like finance um, at this point, just through running a business and bumping my head across, you know, on various challenges and learning like, you know, more advanced strategies going forward. So it can be a little overwhelming, um, you know, if you're just getting into it. So at least some of the fundamentals should be taught really on an early age, saving more than you spend is like a really simple aspect. Um, but it, it's trying to, you know, trying to help out where you can and then realizing that, you know, to help on a bigger platform, obviously you have to be able to reach a lot of people, um, but you can still help on an individual scale. You know, those one-on-one uh, meetings with people, you know, an opportunity to just be a role model for individuals. What we do at our company, we actually service like low-income housing. That's our bread and butter. So okay. for the most part, all of our tenants are low-income housing. And a lot of times you have to kind of train them and educate them to you know, be responsible residents because we provide really high quality homes for them that's paid by the government. So it's one of those things where I've seen people from all wakes of life and it doesn't phase me like you're the most famous person in the world or the poorest in the world. Like if you're a good person, you're a good person. So that's what it should really come down to. And um, if you're willing to put in the hard work to continue to better yourself and grow, you, you know, you can learn and you can become whoever you want to be, but you just have to put in the time. Uh, so well said. And I, and I want to highlight, I, we, I have a lot of entrepreneurs um, on Turmeric and Tequila and, and a lot of people go from startups to, you know, major businesses now. Uh, and I really like to highlight when businesses go that extra mile because I think it gets overlooked. Um, and I don't know a lot about the real estate space, particularly in low-income housing, but is it an expectation or is this something extra you guys do when you uh, facilitate bringing new people into housing? And then do you actually educate them on finances? Do you guys go that extra mile to talk about this is what you need to do or is that status quo? Tell, unpack that a little bit. So, you know, it's really just the relationship that we have with our tenant base. So we don't have formal training or education right now. Gotcha. Um, it's something that I definitely, you know, even just 
getting the applications done. Like a lot of it's a lot of paperwork. And when you don't have the sophistication of the education, they're just like realize like, hey, I need to fill out this paperwork to you know, adjust my income so that the government will pay for more. There's a lot of things that um, you can see have slipped through the cracks where they're pipeline projects that you know I'd love to engage in more. But when I'm still in, I'm still in a growth phase with the business, um, okay. because of that, you know, I have to focus on some of the key performance metrics first to then be able to diversify back into you know, growing out the community. So it's it's something where I'm still going through my my growing pains as an entrepreneur. The business that I own has like three businesses within it. I own a property management company. I own a general contracting company and an investment company within the real estate company. So because of that nature, it's a little problem. more complex. What was that? I said you don't have time to save the world in between all of that. I want to. Like that's. I hear you. I hear you. But I've broken down my purpose in life is just to continue to add value on a bigger and bigger scale as time goes on, because why not make an impact while you're here on this earth? Well, and I, I think what you said, we get in, I think we get lost in like, how do we get to Oprah status impact and, you know, doing things on that level. But I think we also lose sight of how important those little in-between conversations are or five extra minutes to educate somebody on like, this is saving versus spending or, you know, the little conversation, even just kindness on the daily. I think these little acts are really overlooked and that can change someone's trajectory and just saying like, you know what, I had this great conversation today. I'm actually going to put this five bucks in my pocket versus buy a coffee or whatever. Um, and that little stuff is huge. Definitely. And it's just like, you know, it's really challenging because we all have the same 24 hours in every day and to really understand where a person is like it requires a little bit more context and a little bit deeper of a conversation to see how receptive they are to the message or the information you're providing because opportunities all around us mm -hmm. all the time it's just whether or not you see it and you can realize it and you can put the pieces together so um that's why like creating kind of education around the real estate is like a big focus of mine because I'm not the smartest person in the world. I work hard. You know, I've been fortunate enough to have like a great college education, but at this point now it's just grit and self-education and then um, business coaches and mentors. So it's one of those things where, you know, I've received so much help and I'm super gracious for everything I've received and I'm trying to pay it forward as much as I can. Um, but then to be able to reach a bigger platform, you have to realize like, okay, you send a message out there, you hope people can hear it and you hope that, given the time that they're the current phase that they're at, they can understand that message and hopefully it makes it a shift in their direction. I, I, that's very well said. Where is, so, okay. So you have reached out for that. We start real estate company. Where is some of this like mindfulness impact awareness coming from? Is this from family? Is this from like your own maybe personal, like spiritual journey or religion? What's, what's the inspiration there? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at first it started just like trying to understand business and then, you know, Within business, it's like, okay, what is the point of running this business? Like when you make money, like that's great. But then when you make enough money, it's just, okay, cool. Like it doesn't change lifestyle as much. It's more of just a game at that point. And I've, you know, even though I'm not at the point of the game where I want to be, I realize <laughs> it is just a game, you know, like Jeff Bezos with $168 billion. Like you, you can't spend that much money. You know, I was going to say what you do. Yeah. Um, so then I came back down to like, okay, purpose and life. And I've always been really big on creating value for others. And my sales foundation is like a, a value add sales foundation. So, you know, what is this particular product and how does this make an impact in the person's life or perceived value in that person's life? 
but I would say like some of the biggest changes that came to me were reading like the book, like the power of now. Um, that was like a really, really solid book um, of just like how we have this moment. And this is like the only thing that's truly real right now. You know, there's no future. That's the future is real when you get into it. And the past is the past. Um, and then also I'm um, a couple of books. I'm just like being more mindful of, you know, we're all just human beings in this world and um, we're all at different stages of our journey and that, you know, we're just people. We're all people. We've gone through similar challenges. Um, you know, our mind analyzes these or perceives these problems in different ways, but we we're all experiencing very similar things in the world. So. I love it. When, and I think the more um, people that, you know, are financially successful, the more they can have that mindfulness and that piece of it and the, the idea of giving back, because I really do think it's, it is like, well, A, you can mean like the corporate situation where it's golden handcuffs and you just need to make more money to get along. Or on the other side, entrepreneur, and you start making more, and then it's just like a thousand, ten thousand. The checks come in and it's kind of like it loses its excitement. And then, like you said, you can only spend so much. So I love to hear when financially successful humans have that mindfulness take because alongside money is impact and opportunity to impact further. If you shift your mind in the right direction, uh, money is power. And I, and I'd love to see the money go from impact then to, you know, potentially our political situation and having a more mindful human, uh, humans, I should say in, in that mix, making decisions. And I think all things are connected. Uh, so I love hearing my people that are on, you know, a successful financial path, have that really grounded base of really what's going on, um, versus I have a bunch of money. Let's just be reckless and be crazy and act overly powerful. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest with you, like I see, I see a lot of the different perspectives, like a person who's been very financial and they just realize like, Hey, you know, maybe there is nothing after this life. Like why not just do as much as they want to in this life? And it doesn't really matter. Like that's a perspective, you know, I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, but you can live your life and be happy that way. So it comes down to happiness and happiness is like a very blanket term, yeah. but that really comes from a lot of, um, truly self-reflection to understand like, Hey, am I truly happy based on the way I'm living my life and the trajectory that's going at? So trying to cultivate that and have the time to sit back and think about like, okay, am I where I want to be? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I going to where I want to go? Yeah. I, I, to compliment that, I agree. I think it's all about happiness. And what I love to hear, I really, I have a ton of faith in our younger generation coming up. I think it was Stanford. One of their ha most popular classes is happiness. Um, they've had the professor on a few times and on, uh, Oprah and CNN and what have you. Anyways, I'm excited to hear our youth is actually seeing an angle on that. When I was growing up, that wasn't even a conversation. Uh, so even knowing that that's a relevant piece of like the puzzle and, you know, a thought process of our young humans, I think is amazing and yeah. a lot of shift for the future. But I will say, I actually think money is like alcohol or sex or drugs. It really can be a, a distraction for that inner peace where I think true happiness comes from, you know, it can lead you down some wrong. It's no different than any of these other, uh, potential like pitfalls, you know, distracting you from that inevitable piece of internal happiness where in my opinion, happiness really begins. Um, yeah. I mean, I won't take like money gives the ability to like reduce some of the stresses, but once you take care of like the essential fundamental expenses, you know, it starts to break down like, okay, what does money provide for you? And one of the examples that, you know, I visited Cuba a couple of years ago and, you know, it's a very, it's a third world country and not realizing that pe people are just very happy out there. It's more of like a, 
you know, like a simple happy at the same time, like they're just grateful to be alive and be around people and enjoy those precious moments. So it makes you think, you know, like we have this society, like a capitalistic society, and, and we have a lot of mental health created here in the U.S. And a lot of it's created by, you know, the wanting of more, the comparison to others and like social media fuels that. That's why I've had, you know, a uh, love-hate relationship with social media. Um, so it's just trying to figure out like, okay, if you ground yourself and you, you come back and you reflect on inwardly, you know, how do you focus on what is most important to you and what's going to give you that you know, happiness overall? I, I completely agree. And it's, uh, that, that's a tough journey. Cause again, these are like finance. I wish in, I say high school, but usually middle school, I think where kiddos really start to become aware of me in elementary school of these initial conversations of finance, genuine nutrition, interpeace and, and mental wellness. Like I wish our curriculum, maybe instead of algebra, which, cause there's an app for that, uh, we can shift into like <laughs> mental wellness and health and stuff. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll lobby for that down the road. Yeah. Um, for sure. For sure. I hear you on that. And I want to be clear with universe. I'm completely open to abundance mainly. So if you know, money can come in so we can give it all away. But, uh, I do think you have to be intentional in your pursuits, welcoming certain things, um, you know, with the right intentions, but yeah, which is huge. Uh, okay. So we've got, we're shifting back to you here. Real estate. Tell us, update us now on what companies doing. Three companies in one. It sounds like, or you just told us. Uh, what is what's going on right now? What are some initiatives you'd want people to know about um, as they tune in? Yeah. So right now, it's a really exciting time at the company. You know, as I briefly mentioned before, I bootstrapped it while working a tech sales job, and I left my job back in September um, of of 2019. So I predicted a recession this year, not a pandemic recession. Um, so that was well within the calculation and even throughout this current process, you know, I've been able to, um, grow my client base and grow business, which has been phenomenal. Um, you know, a lot of the time when I left was building out more infrastructure in the operational side. So like implementing better processes, refining our software that was being used, making sure our customer service was where it needs to be before a product is provided. But in terms of what we do at the company, you know, it's government sponsored rent. So that rental income's coming in, government's paying everybody. So, the, so that rental income has been very, very stable through this particular process. And, um, you know, because they're residential homes, it's direct ownership for our investors. So it's, it's one of the most familiar types of investments you can buy a single family home and the expenses are simple. So you can kind of come in and, get the income that you're expecting and we manage the whole process to make it as simple as possible. So right now I've been working on hiring interns, I have a couple of virtual assistants, um, you know, three construction teams that are running. So it's pretty, you know, relatively fast paced over here, but an exciting phase. Yeah, that's amazing. And is it, I mean, it's gotta be incredibly joyful to see some of these families in their first time home like that process do you, are you still on the ground level where you get to see them actually go into the home and experience it for the first time i'm not so i built this business remote um i'm in california okay. this business is actually in chicago uh, but i go out there i was going out there twice a month to check up on the teams and check up on how everything's going although you know traveling right now is a little bit iffy so um it's one of those things where i can still do a lot of what i do remote because that's how the culture that i built and um, i don't get as much 
you know, direct hands-on experience to see the families find the houses that they love, that they're hopefully going to live in for a while. Um, but, you know, I do put a lot of pride into the way that we renovate these houses. They're pretty full-on rehab, so like flooring, plumbing, electrical, bathrooms, kitchens. You know, we, we do a really good job at the houses that we, we renovate for our, our tenants. How did, so coming up into real estate, how did, how did you select like low income housing or why, why did you go this path specifically? Um, so back in 2012 was another business that I started. I started flipping houses in Chicago. Um, one of my friends was from Indiana. He's like, Hey, you want to flip in Chicago? I'm like, cool. Yeah. If the numbers make sense. So, um, he was from Geary, Indiana, which is right next door to Chicago. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, and it's basically buy houses for fifty thousand, put fifty into it, and sell for one seventy. So fairly cheap, um, especially when you're just getting started. So like low risk, and you know relatively decent profit point. So we did that for a couple of years, but so hard to manage from across the country. Working with contractors, if anybody's worked with contractors, um, it's can be a pain in the butt. You know they're always trying to like work some angles and try and shortcut things. So you, it's a very attention detailed and, and management intensive. But when that business fizzled out, I started to find an alternative way to, to make money in real estate. And my, my now stepdad was buying rental properties out there simultaneously. So he kind of turned me on to this, um, you know, government sponsored rent program. And we found some really good neighborhoods that made a lot of sense. And we just stuck with that since about 2015 till now. So just acquiring our own portfolio. Um, and then we realized, okay, we're, we're managing them ourselves. So we built a small property management company to manage everything. And then you know, we started to want to create value, a greater value. So we started hiring contractors and we built a construction team. So it's one of those things where it just kind of naturally occurred to the point where, okay, we're doing a volume. In order to grow more for ourselves, we have to provide value to other people and provide a product and service around that. Okay. That's, I mean, that sounds like it was pretty, like you said, natural transition. You happen to have the right people in the right place. Uh, is this something you're still like passionate about or is this something that's kind of unfolded and the passion has grown over time? I would say it's been interesting. So real estate is a passion of mine without a doubt, but for a lot of people who've been involved in real estate, it kind of evolves. I mean, when you start to meet a lot of people in the community, there's a lot of other types of deals that can be done. So I'm also involved in like multifamily, um, apartment syndications. Um, I'll probably transition to development at some point in the future, but you know, focus is power. So it's one of those things where building up an organization to the point where it's like a well-oiled machine is a high priority for me. At the same time, I'm, I'm very forward looking as well. I see myself as like somewhat of a visionary of, of where the world's going to go. And I'd love to help shape this world to be a better place. So I'll be involved in business probably till the day that I die or I don't have any more energy. Um, I love that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe you really could run for president and just streamline a lot of this process and <laughs> make your own rules. Although I don't, I, I see the look. I don't know that I want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd pass a lot of those. Uh, I have no interest in politics by any means. That's, that's for some other people. Too much drama. Yeah. Well, as you say, there's, you got to compromise uh, your moral stance and moral values, I think, on a few levels. Um, and I don't know that any of my two and Tequila podcasts would probably serve towards a positive uh, run in anyone's campaign, just because they could, you could pick up. I would say the tequila, so that, you know, <laughs> and then some, like, 
slow the, infl- the inflammation down afterwards. So yeah, well, that's why I say it's a, it's the detox before you retox. Uh, yep. You got to keep balance in life. Exactly, exactly. I'm big on balance. Yes. Well, so tell us. So like, so now you just left your job in 2019 fully. That's what you said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so you're one year into the business. Is that right? Yep. Okay. No, no, no. Sorry, I've I've had this this particular you know business and couple businesses for four years now. So. Oh, got it. Okay, so you're doing yeah. both. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So standard bootstrap. You know, work on the weekends, travel to Chicago on the weekends, work at nighttime um, to get to a point where it's stable enough to transition out. I could have stepped out earlier, but I transitioned at a very you know relatively smooth. I gave my employer like a three-month notice which is unorthodox yeah actually i asked to get demoted um you know six months prior to that because i got promoted to like a project manager but then it was too much and it wasn't in line with 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 who i want to be so i asked to get demoted so i'm definitely unemployable at this point (laughs) (laughs) but even that exit strategy i think is really critical because as you said the way you treat people along the way regardless what space that's in is critical because likely you'll cross paths again and again you got to take care of that whole space because you know they're going to be cleaning up pieces once you do leave and and then now as an employer you want your employees to treat you in that regard so um these are all key pieces what are some goals now that you are completely 100 percent into the biz what are some immediate goals you have for the business sounds like you already have you know a five ten year trajectory of where you have a vision of what you want to see, what's something yep. immediately in front of you that you want to do, you want to tackle, particularly in a, a pandemic? Yeah, yeah. So right now is is very much education. And I'm just staying very in tune with what is going on in the world because, honestly, the way that I see it right now, there's so much uncertainty. It's very difficult to make um, intelligent investments that are going to continue to be intelligent intelligent over the next couple months. So on the residential side, it's pretty straightforward. We can calculate those with certainty, but on the commercial side of things, it's difficult because, you know, the government just pumped in $4 trillion into the world or into the U S and that's keeping rents up high for now, but the pandemic is getting worse. So it's kind of like this weird dynamic of things getting worse, but you know, people feeling better. Um, so it's, it's one of those things with, with uncertainty, I just tell people to take a pause. I'm really big on educating right now where, hey, you know, make sure you, you know the information and you prepare yourself for potential opportunities to come. There may or may not be some strong opportunities, but preparation. So um, that didn't quite answer the, the short-term goal, but the short-term goal is like to, to continue to grow the residential side. I want to get to you know, 15 more client projects this year. Um, but then also to educate and just keep people abreath as to potential bigger opportunities on the commercial side, which is a different aspect, but tangential to what's going on here. Yeah. And and that does answer the question because I think people, a lot of times you you say, or you hear, where do you see yourself in a year, five years, 10 years? And that I've never really been that human because things shape shift so fast. And, uh, 10 years ago, my job or five years ago really wasn't even a thing. What I do, it's kind of just evolved over time. And I even tell it to like my young humans that are graduating. I'm like, don't worry. Like what you want to do may not even exist yet. And we don't know. And that's in a normal world with, you know, the pandemic and we've got all these conversations around race now, thank God uh, happening. I, I think it's scary and it's uncertain. And I think it's, it's such an opportunity for innovation and evolution. So, you know, if, if you can take some time, build your skill set, or maybe, 
jump in on a dream or a thought you've had forever. Now is now's the time, in my opinion, if you can, you know, not spend a ton of money and your resources to, to do that and see what sticks because we are in such an evolutionary space. Um, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I'm, I would say like, I'm of a disruptive mindset. Like I firmly believe that the world is constantly evolving and it's evolving faster than people actually see, you know, especially with the way technology is like, People don't understand it's not like a linear change or geometrical, it's like exponential the way things are changing. And when you have a pandemic like we have right now, coupled with it, you know, changing the landscape of people's relationships with the places that they're in, you know, real estate, the office space, you know, their home, that will shift the world in many different ways that we don't quite know yet. So when there's a shift and when there's destruction, there's often opportunity. Yes. Completely agree. Uh, I, I actually chose my turmeric and tequila shirt over our graceful disruption. That's kind of our slogan because I believe in obviously the power of conversation, but more importantly on the social media front as a branding professional, how we can get in and, and disrupt status quo for our young humans that are consuming media more than ever. Um, and you know, that's kind of their reality and how they define things as, as normal. Uh, and anyone that stays on social media knows that very little that's out there is normal. So I completely yeah. agree with you. Disruption is critical and having good humans behind that disruption is responsible, uh, intentional integrity. I think that's critical. Yeah. And whatever business you're in, if you're really moving chips, you are having more conversations. There is more opportunity for impact. Um, and there's a responsibility that needs to go alongside that. So again, it's, it's good to hear that that's coming from your perspective and your, your grounded space. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it comes down to people, no matter what you're doing in this world. Um, it's people, you know, you're growing a business, the way you're going to grow is based on people loving what you do, loving your product or service and your employees, you know, believing in what the company does. So you, you have to be able to um, see from the lens of, you know, who your, your core individuals are and, and realize like they're the essential to what you're doing. Um, um, I, I, I want to share just a little, we got about 10 minutes, but talk to us a little bit about working um, in one state and then managing your company in another. So we're in California, we're managing in Chicago. How do you manage that situation? I, I think everyone's in kind of Zoom space and we're managing things from afar, even if your work's across the street, but how are you navigating that? Or what are some, what are pieces of advice if someone's in that situation to navigate that, you know, long distance management? Yeah, so I'm of a unique nature where all my businesses have always been remote, except for my dog clothing company that was local. Um, did not succeed. Okay, we'll get to that next. Go ahead. Um, but, you know, it's always about communication, really, truly communicating well with your team and making sure that they understand what you're trying to accomplish and what you're saying and and that you understand where they're coming from. So that constant communication is absolutely critical and an essential part of life. Yeah. And it takes time to really communicate well. Um, also trust, having trust, but you have to verify. That's um, so important because you need to have some sort of system in place to be able to check up on the work that's being done so that they're you know progressing the way that it, you'd expect it to be done. So I've I've been in all the roles. I've seen all these roles. Like I know generally how much time it should take and the quality of it. So that takes experience, but a lot can be learned online. I mean, truly YouTube 
and the internet are phenomenal resources where you know, if you're trying to get into a specific venture or you're trying to learn a specific skill, um, the first is, you know, learning it. Um, the second is putting it into practice. And then the third is, you know, mastering that. So um, the more time you focus on a specific craft or trade, you, you, the better you're going to become at it. But um, realizing you can learn any skill, um, you just have to put the effort into it and then make sure you have a system to, to follow up that the people are doing the work that they say they're doing. I completely agree. I always, I, I cherish my opportunity and the ability I had to, you know, get a college degree, compete in college with lacrosse and, and whatnot. And I will say YouTube is so powerful right now. If you don't have a degree or you can, you know, seek out a trade skill in, you know, the recession proof, there's so much opportunity to learn out there. So I, I agree with you just taking the initiative to learn. There's, there's so much opportunity uh, to acquire knowledge in any, any way, shape or form, particularly on YouTube. Um, what is like one major piece of advice that you have for young entrepreneurs, uh, maybe kiddo getting out of college, switch majors, not sure what they're going to do that you have, um, for our young humans jumping into this crazy market. So I would say embrace failure and not in the sense of, you know, failing and just accepting it, but realizing that if you're going to do anything great in life, you're going to have failure. You're going to have setbacks. You have challenges and that's normal. If you're not having challenges, you're not pushing yourself to any limit. So especially from like a, like a professional level or even entrepreneurial level, you should be challenging yourself and you should be okay with asking the questions to better yourself and learn. Because one thing that's always stuck with me is like a Socrates like quote, one thing I know is I know nothing at all. And it's so true because there's too much information in this world and there's even more information now. So be okay with failing, be okay with not knowing and, and be curious. Yeah. Dropping some OG philosophy. I like it. Okay. Um, what was, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here again, I should say, uh, what was one of your bigger failures that really helped define the journey now? So I guess one of my bigger failures was, um, not doing due diligence on like an earlier company I worked for. So I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, okay, I'm going to jump into a sales position. And any sales is fine. But it depends on who you are. So I needed like a great rigid structured training program. I, I worked, after going to UC Berkeley, I worked at Empire the carpet company. And oh. they had a training program. It was a 100% sales commission job. And it was driving all around the Los Angeles area. And it, just did not help me grow the way that I need to. So I'd say if you know what you want to do, um, and if you have an inkling of where you want to be, jump into that industry that you want to be in and get paid to learn. Yeah. So get paid to learn what you want to do. So the carpet sales didn't go well. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, I learned a lot of fantastic soft skills. You know, I realized like just general personality and friendliness and curiosity can build great relationships, yes. but it, you know, that connection didn't always convert to actual sales, you know? So there's a level that was required where there needed to be that kind of value switch in there that I didn't like, you know, in retrospect, I, I would have crushed it now. I'm great at sales. Like it could have. <laughs> well, I, that, I want to 
to say one thing about that is you might have planted a seed it's just more of a long-term sell because i think cultivating that relationship is critical however in that sales role you probably had to close right away but that could have cultivated i mean maybe you still keep in touch with some of these humans and you'll sell them a house or something down the road so you never know if you took care of that relationship and you kept the rapport it just wasn't an immediate turnover um but yeah. I will also say to my young humans, there's no experience like sales. And I think everybody, just like being a waitress or a waiter, I think everyone at some point in their life should go through that because sales will teach you so much. Um, <laughs> it'll, it's cutthroat. Yeah, I love sales. I mean, honestly, whether you think you're in sales or not, you're in sales. 100%. Um, and it, it forms like, you know, you go to a restaurant and you get great customers, a form of selling. And it's just building rapport with somebody to feel a certain way where they feel comfortable with you. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and that is the truth. We are really all in sales in on one degree or another. However, 100% commission sales is a little bit different from ball game. <laughs> That'll change the energy in the combo for sure. Um, well, I appreciate you being on. Where do you give us details? Where do we find you? Website, social, anything you want to share? Yeah, for sure. So. I have begun focusing on social media. I'm like pretty focused on LinkedIn right now. So if you find me on LinkedIn, Kevin K. Dugan, D-U-G-A-N. Same with Instagram, Facebook. Um, my website is altus, A-L-T-U-S-I-G.com. And love to help out and contribute as much as I can to, to help people on their journey that they're on. I just, they sent me the thing. I'm going to completely apologize. I said Tom in the beginning. So we're, and you didn't, you're, you're, so, you're so kind. You should have been like, excuse me. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, well, that's the beauty of like, as we're literally meeting, uh, and these are my favorite casts when it's like, I don't know you, you don't know me. We don't know where this is going to go. Uh, but I literally called you the wrong name from the get-go. So we started strong. My, my grandmother has called me every name in the book. So, you know, she's a cute old 90-year-old Japanese grandmother, and she's called me anything from, like, my mother's name to, like, her pet dog. So it's one of those things, where, like, I'm cool with whatever you call me. Oh. Well, I, I appreciate the humility, but no, we at minimum got to get the, the name right. We'll get the biz right. Uh, so we'll check you out. Um, you, sorry, you said LinkedIn, Instagram. Is that not really a focus? Um, I'm growing Instagram, so, like, I definitely have some, like, 3,000 followers. It's not a... Okay. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over the place. Okay. And it's not about, I do a lot with like influencers. We were doing it way before it's a thing. And there's a massive asterisk around that because we work with humans that have, you know, a responsible message and their, their feet are on the ground and whatnot, but it's not about the numbers. It's about the quality of humans that are actually listening and following you. Um, yep. I, I would strongly encourage you to lean into the social as you are, because I think people like you and the voice and the perspective and uh, the grounded mindfulness is critical to what our young people need to see and hear outside of potential, you know, professional gains. Um, it's, it's an important piece. Appreciate it. I appreciate the time with you today. Phenomenal chatting, you know, across the board on various topics. So hope to do this again sometime. Yes, very much. And really quick, we've got one minute. You hear my dog barking in the back. I said, did you have, do you have a puppy? I do. Yeah. The little Samoyed. He was down here. He's so, about so cute. Give us literally one minute. Give us a really quick breakdown on the dog clothing business. I'm curious. Oh, man, so it came down friend, like one of my close friends from high school, college, you know, his girlfriend had connection for international shipping. So we could get really low price points on dog clothing at about three bucks, sell for 20. 
margins were there. We just weren't passionate about it. And that's something that I embrace. I tell everybody, you got to be passionate about what you do. Because when things get tough and you're doing that business and it, it gets rough, like you need to have that greediness to pull it out. And we didn't have that passion, even though we could have made it work. We just, we weren't there from the hard standpoint. Well, and that, that itself, to go back to your almost due diligence around the sale, when it does get tough, if you don't care about or you don't really like or believe in what you're selling, it's the, I feel like the consumer potential client can read it all over the place. Um, yeah. People can sense that. You know, they know if you're behind it or not. Yeah. You don't want to be slanging something that is probably not good for you anyways. Um, but all right, we got our one minute warning. I appreciate you, Kevin. Thank you for sharing your journey. Um, uh, let's, let's please keep in touch. I don't know. Some casts kind of just interview and run. I always love to check in and say like, all right, we talked, you know, a year or two ago, where are you at now? So keep me posted on, on what's next and what's going on. We'll do. We'll do. It's been awesome. I appreciate it. Take it easy. Thank you, Kevin. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.